legacy I don't care if they remember me Only Jesus Welcome to another podcast and I am Dreamwalker1960 As a reminder, you can read today's podcast and all previous broadcasts at dreamwalker1960.com Today we will continue last week's message about how we are living in a time that is wealthier than any other in history throughout the world, which labels this era we are living in as that of the lukewarm. This means that all Christians throughout the industrialized world are wealthy. Today, I wish for those listening to take a step back from the world they now live within and take a moment to think. Think about the question that is the title of today's and last week's podcast. How should a wealthy Christian live? Now with that in mind, I wish to read to you from the second chapter of Acts, verses 42 through 47. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to fellowship, and to sharing meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to pray. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders, and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshipped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. What I read to you is how we are to live in Christendom. Do we live this way? The answer for the most part is no. Many gather in a church, but churches can be too big or lack the truth or both. However, this is not what was envisioned for the body of Christ as is shown in the verses above. The closest we see any living this way today are the Amish. This, however, is how we should be living in a community that works, lives, and shares together. Should we go to the extent the Amish do, having no cars, no phones? That is for each community to discuss with themselves. Will communities actually listen to me and try to live this way? Honestly, today, I doubt it. Why? It is because we are too spoiled and think more of our own wants and desires over those of a community. However, this is the ideal we should strive to seek for. Again, why? Because we see that it works per the Bible. This living in a close-knit community was made easy in the first three centuries. Once again, why? Because they were being persecuted and they could seek comfort in the camaraderie from the communities they made throughout the Roman Empire. Today, Christian communities throughout the world are coming more and more under attack. From outright violence to being ordered not to congregate. One reason for this is because these communities are fractured and spread apart. Not only because they live apart, but because 
many truly do not connect in a spiritual manner. Sure, they meet up once, maybe twice a week. They say a few words to each other. Then they go their separate ways. Going back to the world, which without realizing it, is their real master. Thus many who feel and believe they are steadfast, true believers in Jesus Christ are in reality the lukewarm, walking a line between God and the luxuries and the temptations of the world. But by the mere fact that they are walking this line, they don't realize they are lost. The verses that I read at the beginning of today's podcast are the solution. Close-knit communities, not separated, but together in one area, sharing amongst themselves and those in need, living their lives together within the same area, still going to their jobs, but when they come home, they come to one community, be it an apartment complex or a housing development, all share the expenses so they can gather the surplus to be used for the will of God. Now here is a good point to make something clear. Last week I said it is wrong to give a tithe to a brick and mortar building called the church. Hebrews 7 makes it clear that we are to tithe 10% to God. It is by giving to a brick and mortar building that has allowed false teachers to come into being, allowing them to live high off the hog while creating a flock of people who are without any doubt 100% lukewarm. These false teachers have convinced their followers that seeking after the world's wealth is biblical. If you remember the very last verse I read last week, Matthew 6.24, it will make it clear that to seek after money is to make money their God. Then by loving money they show that they hate God. So they are not seeking to live their life the way that our Lord Jesus Christ our Savior seeks for us to have. My suggestion, as I made clear last week, is to live totally opposite the way of the money seekers, the prosperity teachers. My recommendation was to live off the least amount of money that comes into your life as is physically possible. The more money this world gives you in your job or your inheritance, the less you need to live upon causing the majority to be set aside to be used as funds to help those people within the body of Christ, your fellow Christians that are in need of help. As I established in 1 Timothy 6, we should also help those that are in true need outside the body of Christ, for we are instructed to help all in need. Following this suggestion not only allows us to have the 10% which is asked for us in Hebrews 7, it gains us access to even more than that, all to be used for the glory of God through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. As we live in a community of our fellows, the need for a fancy building to meet in becomes unnecessary. Sure, it does say in the verses above that they went to the temple. However, it also states that they met in homes to perform the sacrament of the communion. Why they did this was due to the persecution they were experiencing at the time. Nevertheless, the need for having a fancy and large building to accomplish this gathering together 
is shown not to be needed, since the most important part of their worship of the Son of God was done in their homes. We were instructed to baptize, and Christ, during the Last Supper, gave us the communion. These are all the ceremonies we are required to show we are followers of Jesus Christ. There is no need for statues or large buildings or gatherings within. There is no call for this. These are all actions of humanity, which is a form of self-glorification. We could even meet in the middle of nowhere, and that would be enough to worship our Creator through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We need a community to lean upon, to seek comfort, as well as seek strength from when we are weak within our own lives. This is shown without question in Acts 2, a community that is closer together than they are today. We are told to fellowship not just once or twice a week, but daily. That is why we need to get closer together. Can we do this in social media? That is an excellent question, and one I honestly don't know the answer to. As I said, I'm called as a teacher. That is a question for an overseer that needs to answer. What is an overseer, someone just asked. This is something that my job description can answer. 1 Timothy 3.1 This is the true saying, If a man desire the office of bishop, he desireth a good work. Now let's look at the phrase, the office of bishop. This means inspection for relief by implication, superintendence. It also means an overseeing, a visitation, a judgment. This is the true meaning of the word that was made into bishop by those who translated the King James Version of the Bible, since at that time the Catholic Church mentality still held sway over them. So the actual word should be made overseer. As an example of this, look at the New Living Translation verse. Now in that it says, church leader. Here, though, we get back to a mentality that is again ingrained into today's society, the need for a building called a church. So the use of the word church leader is inaccurate as well. Their true title should be overseer, or even shepherd, since we are dealing with a flock of Christians that would seem to be appropriate. So to end this teaching today, we will revisit the four points of how a wealthy Christian should strive to live their lives. Number one, they do work that is good towards the will of God. Number two, that they seek to be virtuous and thus valuable to God. Number three, they be ready to give willingly and generously of their money that has been given to them by God at a moment's notice. Number four, that they make it known verbally that they are ready to be generous to those within the Christian community and show no restraint in how much they are willing to give. We should possibly now add a fifth, that they seek to live in one close-knit community so that they can seek comfort and strength from one another. If we truly seek to do this, we will become closer to God through our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. In doing so, we'll give glory to our Creator and thus be a light unto the world as we are instructed to be. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, 
a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out to all to see, so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Matthew 5:14-16. May God bless you and be with you. Make it count, leave a mark, build a name for yourself. Dream your dreams, chase your heart above all else. Make a name the world remembers. But all an empty world can sell is empty dreams. I got lost in the light, but it was up to me to make a name the world remembers. But Jesus is the only name to remember. And I I 
I don't care if they remember me, only Jesus.